Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. What started as a fight card that was... Trending towards an A plus suddenly ended with an incomplete in a lot of people's minds because controversy filled the co-main event and then it filled the main event because at the end of the night, we still do not have a light heavyweight champion of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. A lot to discuss, a lot to break down, a lot to question, if we're being honest, and that's kind of been the theme of this entire weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Welcome you to the UFC 282 live post-fight show. I am Mike Heck. We got Shahid Al-Shadi in the house. It's great to have him back in the fold. We got Jed Mishu here. I'm sure a hot take. Chaos, baby, let's go. I love this fight card. And on site right now in the back, Mr. Jose Youngs. Jose? What an interesting night it was. You were there. You got to feel the atmosphere, hear the atmosphere, hear the crowd, all of it. When the night was over, what was your reaction to all of it? With Patty, the way that fight ended with Jared Gordon, the decision, and then the main event ending in a draw. This whole thing was built towards, all right, we got to crown a light heavyweight champion by the end of the night. And guess what? We didn't. Well, I didn't get to hear much of the atmosphere at all. I was in the back of the meet in the media tent from the first fight to the end of the fight. So I never stepped foot inside the T-Mobile arena. Um, I tell you the atmosphere before the fight was almost nothing. Uh, you guys have all covered fights at the T-Mobile arena and usually there's a line down the concourse waiting to get in. There was how many, how many fans do you think lined up early? I'll give you each a guess. Five. The answer is zero. There were z- there were zero people lined up outside waiting for the doors to open. So that was the hype before this fight. Um, obviously, it filled up pretty quick. I don't know if it was a sellout or not, but uh, yeah, the, the the vibe was in the media room. I'll tell you when they scored the patty fight was like that. Make doesn't make sense, but at the same time, it makes sense because it's 
judge is going to judge, especially a big Patty Pimbley fight. And then when they when they read the, the scorecards for the main event, it was just it was kind of like humorous, like laughter, like of course, of course, because we we all made the joke like 40, 48, 47, Magomed, everyone, right? Which probably means Jan won. Like we were joking about this, the judges probably blowing it. And this is what we get. We have no light heavyweight champion award. So I'll say shocked, I guess, would be the good word for that. We'll we'll break down the fights once we let you go. But Patty Pimblett was just backstage speaking with the media. And to nobody's surprise, and I don't think Patty can really handle this any other way at this point with how he was sort of been viewed throughout the build oh, to this fight. <laughs> there were a lot He's of making a choice. I understand that. But, I mean, you can't just be like, well, maybe Jared did win the fight. You have to kind of just lean into all of this at this point. But what kind of what kind of feeling did you get from Patty back there, Jose? I mean, you're in the room. You're probably asking the man questions. It's almost like he's completed this full-on heel turn, and he's eating it up, and he's kind of just got to go with it at this point. That That's kind of the vibe that I get from it. But what did you think of Patty's demeanor talking about him just being so confident that he won the fight and, and, and everything that he had to say tonight. Well, I guess people, when you say heel, turn, that, that makes it sound like it's a conscious decision that this is what he's doing, which I don't think is the case. I don't think Patty Pimblin won. I don't think any of you people think Patty Pimblin won, but I am 100% confident that Patty Pimblet believes Patty Pimblet won, and whether people disagree with that or not, I'm pretty confident when I say I don't think he particularly cares. So, to him, it's not a huge turn. It's just Patty, Patty being Patty. So this whole narrative of like Patty's doing his best job to become like hated and this and that, I don't think that's the case. I just think Patty is doing Patty, and people just disagree with it, including me. And if we're trying to read sort of demeanors in the room, Dana White had a lot to say at the post-fight press conference, talking about the main event, talking about how Jared Gordon performed in the third round, and then. Oh yeah, he drops a nugget that we're gonna have a light heavyweight title fight at UFC 283 between Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. And I mentioned that during the watch party. I was like, yeah, they could just pull Jamal Hill out of the Anthony Smith fight, and we could do that. And sure enough, that's what we ended up doing. And I wasn't even really serious about me even suggesting that. But that's what's happening at UFC 283. So, any surprise or, or thoughts on how Dana reacted to the night's festivities, and uh, mo most notably the last two fights? Uh, not surprised at all that he was bothered. Very surprised that he made this fight so quickly because we've all heard the phrase, I don't make fights once the fights are over. And I'm curious if he even told Glover, Sarah, Jamal Hill that this is what he was doing. It just seemed like he walked into the back and was like, hey, we should do this. And everyone was like, yeah, okay. And then he just decided on the spot. So not shocked he was mad at how both fights played out. Very shocked he decided to make a fight because he never does that. Uh, and even Jamal Hill was like obviously hyped. Glove Share was in the house. He's probably hyped. I haven't got a chance to see him, but shocked he was this quick to make the fight. Not shocked that he made. It. And then last thing, Jose, who who stole the show for you tonight? Who stole the show? I mean, a lot of people lean towards Ilya Taporia for that performance against Bryce Mitchell, but again, you're you're back there. You're hearing from these fighters at the end of the night. Raul Rosas Jr. obviously lived up to the expectations, probably exceeded them in a lot of ways, but which fighter do you think just stole the night and will be the most memorable thing from the final pay-per-view of 2022? I'll tell you what, just based off of YouTube and social analytics, the guy that stole the week or the show, this, especially tonight, is Ilya Taporia. 
I mean that like we have this. If you look at the back end of our like YouTube page and Twitter's, we can we can see what countries are consuming our content. And obviously the U.S. is massively high. And then you kind of get this bump like when Habib or Islam fought, you get a lot of Russians. When Charles Oliveira fights, you get a lot of Brazil. When Ilya Tapura fight week, we got Spain, we got Mexico, we got a lot of people in South America, and it was always on Ilya's. Like, since until right this, obviously, Patty and Dana just wrapped, but Ilya has the most views on YouTube and social right now. Outside of Gordon Ryan, who was a guest fighter because he was talking about like, a lot of viral people on the internet, but Ilya Tapura is kind of dominating our analytics right now, and there are a lot of people from Spain on our YouTube page right now. So I'm going to say just based off of stats, it's Ilya Teporia, especially because Bryce Mitchell got a huge pop and then everyone cheered for Ilya after. So Ilya Teporia, PDP, Drinkus Duplessy, obviously got a big win. Uh, he did say at media day when he told me, he said, if Darren Till doesn't have an injury before this fight, he will after. And lo and behold, Darren Till says he believes he tore his ACL. So kudos to you, DDP, for predicting that right. Well, and kudos to you, Jose, for another job well done covering uh, another fight week, another UFC pay-per-view. Enjoy the rest of the night, my man. Safe travels back to Arizona. We appreciate all the hard work and the boots on the ground, my man. Rest up, and we'll see you next time. That's a wrap from 2022. I'll see you all in Perth. The Brazilian beast, Guillermo Cruz. You can't, they can't see you. Kenny wants to say hi. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Love you, Kenny. Have a good end of the year. <laughs> we all love you. Oh, Ever, right. Have fun, guys. You'll talk to Guillerme on site next. Next time you'll see me on site, we'll be all the way in Perth, Australia. Au revoir. There he is, Jose Youngs. What a year this man has had. A lot of uh, a lot of miles logged on the old travel books for Jose Youngs this year. So, Shaheen Alshadi. I mean, we haven't seen you in a while. We haven't seen you in, in, in quite some time. We haven't seen you in quite some time. And you come back just in time for maybe the weirdest pay-per-view we've had in a long time. Because this friggin' thing awesome. started off like a, like a firework oh, show. Man. Finish after finish after finish. Just every fight was getting finished. Even the Ponzinibbio Morono fight. Like We started to see the momentum of the card kind of slow down a little bit, which maybe isn't fair to Morono and Ponzinibbio. Because that fight was actually, I think when we go back and watch it by itself, we're going to remember it a lot more fondly than the fight that followed the absolute chaos that was DDP versus Darren Till. Ponzi gets the crazy knockout of the end, and then we get the Patty shenanigans, the judging there, and this is following the Danny Sabatello shenanigans, the 50-45 scorecard from Doug Crossy, who was one of the judges in the Patty Pimblet fight, and then we get this crazy draw. What a time to come back, Sean, is it not? What a banner weekend for MMA judging. Oh my goodness, fellas. Oh, what a weird night, Mike. Really, really weird night. I, I, uh, you're right. I've been out for a month uh, taking care of my newborn baby. A uh, little bit of paternity leave, but now I'm back. And you know me, I'm an agent of chaos. I love chaos. I'm here for any and all kind of chaos. MMA chaos is the best kind of chaos. This was just a different level of chaos tonight. Like this was absolutely absurd by the end of it. Uh, 10 out of 10 finishes to start the night. I mean, we were rolling. Ilya Teporia looking incredible. I've been calling that guy a future champion forever. I know we're going to get to it. DDP having a statement win. Uh, Ponzi gets back into it. And then all of a sudden we get this Patty situation. And then obviously the main event follows as well. Dana White's just out here just throwing darts at the board, seeing what's sticking by the end of the night. He, he didn't even seem to care 
uh, <laughs> about anything that happened in that main event. He, he admitted himself that he didn't really pay attention to it after a certain point, uh, saying that he zoned out after the third round, which is funny because by the end of the third round, that was when the fight was actually getting interesting. So the whole, I don't know, this whole night was very incredibly bizarre. It feels like this has just been a very weird year to begin with, right? Results all across the board this year have been very surprising. Lots of upsets, lots of just strange stuff in general, lots of injuries in main events and things like that. So this, in a weird way, feels fitting uh, as a way to end 2022. You end it with the weirdest of all. Uh, but yeah, man, strange night. Strange, strange night. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Jed, there's chaos like DDP versus Darren Till. Like that's fun chaos. We enjoy that kind of chaos. And then we get this other chaos, which I like to deem the WTF chaos, because that's what everybody said at the end of the night. After the last two fights, WTF, really? And then we get the draw. And like Jose said, I think he described it perfectly. It was almost humorous. It was almost funny after what happened with the Patty Pimbo fight. So did you say it's awesome? Is that awesome. Is that what you're saying? Why yeah, is it awesome? There was. Please, please explain. Show your work. Because I thought I was, I thought Fight Circus was next weekend, baby, and we're just here. We're making light heavyweight title fights on the fly, just between between the cage to the press conference room. Zane is just like, "F it, I'd go over and somebody just make it happen." We need more help for for Brazil anyway. Let's just do it. This is this is the best. I had a great time tonight. I did not. We were you were not on the on the pre pre show the pre fight Q and A with me and Casey. We were pretty down on this card. Casey and I both thought we were getting five decisions uh, for all the main card fights. That much of the fights wouldn't be that compelling or interesting, and that like straight up you could skip this one. Didn't need to drop to seventy five on it. If you did, I would. I feel like I got my money's worth because the three fights were fun. Great outcomes. I'm always in it when Darren Till's getting beat. That always makes makes me happy. Uh, Bryce Mitchell too, samesies. And then the co-main event, I can finally just like hate Patty Pimblett all the way. Like I don't have to feel conflicted. I can just be like, cool, join the Michael Chandler and Stipe Miocic's of the world. And the main event was hilarious. <laughs> like it was just truly hilarious. I also, uh, this is a hot take and we can delve into this at whatever you want to. I don't think either of those decisions are bad. They're not robberies, maybe. Maybe they aren't maybe they are bad or not good, but I don't think the decisions in the main event or the co-main event, from my viewpoint, are like indefensibly bad. And so it doesn't leave me this like, well, this is really unfortunate and I'm very angry. It's just like, well, those are reasonable and this is the funniest outcome possible. So I'm having a great time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like you thrive in this sort of chaos better than Shaheen and I will, because you just laugh at it. You find you find ways to to to, to laugh and enjoy. Yourself it is objectively the main event ending in a draw is objectively hilarious because seven <laughs> like two weeks ago, this they were they were the co-main event for a a de facto not even like a, a set hardcore established number one contender bout like just a the winner of this is probably going to get it. Then, then the UFC tries to backdoor Glover because Glover won't take a take a fight on you know ten days notice or whatever with a totally new opponent, and they will not move it to Brazil. And you know what we get in the end? Glover probably with an easier matchup in Brazil to fight for the vacant title. The UFC did this man wrong, 
and and the the MMA gods were just like, nah, homie, we got you. And now we get this, and it's the funniest. And you're talking to a man who had a future bet on Magomed and Kalayev to be the champion at the end of the world. So I lose that. I lose my side bet with with John Alshadi. Uh, yes, you do. Pre-fight yes, thing. I don't. I don't lose. We split instead of me winning. Now, as we both have this count. Champion. To me, this counts as a loss because you got your you you win. Assumed it was going to be a tie, and then you got your false hopes up, and then you were about to oh, win, and oh, then you got I got my false hopes you. up. It's, it's you're hitting me. me up today, being like, "This is garbage. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm going to lose." <laughs> we all thought it, and right up until the moment Bruce Buffer said 47-47 or whatever, we all thought it. We all thought it. We all thought it, and then this happened. This is objectively the funniest thing, and good for Glover. Good for Jamal Hill. To, well, to, to even it's incredible. To add- to add to what you were saying about Glover, because you're 100% right. Somehow that man got screwed the most out of all of this whole situation and then ended up kind of Came in the best spot. Came out smelling like roses. Him he and ended Nate up Diaz. in the best spot of anybody. And the guy he, who actually low-key got screwed the most out of all of this now ends up being Jan Bukovic. Because if this was a three-round fight that it was, should have been, he would he may have. Obviously, things. who knows how things play out if it's not a five-round, three-round, whatever. But the first three rounds we saw, he won two out of those three minimum. At minimum, and he looks very mm. impressive in doing it. And he would have come away getting a win that I think very few of us would have been picking for him. He would have been next in line for a title shot. And now, who even knows where Jan Bukovic is? Because I'll tell you what, Mike Heck and, and Jed Mishu, I don't know. I've been in this industry a long time. I don't know that I can remember a UFC title that has felt more uh, superfluous, more fake more you know just like a a, a show pony a, a oh. fake trophy to just be handed out right now than whatever the hell this light heavyweight title is at this point because as i said this just feels like they're just throwing blindfold darts at the board and just hoping that eventually something's going to stick uh and it's just such like we were in such a cool place with the yuri prohashka era like we all enjoyed it so much that man is a maniac in the best possible way he gave us the best light heavyweight title fight of all time. It's going to end up winning fight of the year this year. Spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen our awards yet. We haven't even voted on them, but I'll tell you what, that's going to win fight of the year. And now we're just left with this ridiculous mess that this division is just an absolute disaster. Poor Anthony Smith found out live on television that the UFC had stripped <laughs> away his fight for no reason. Uh, just all of this is so, uh, so God, strange, man. It's, so, it's all that's so ridiculous. There is, there's, you know, there's just not. I cannot think of a belt that has been a phonier belt than whatever this light heavyweight title is at this point. I'd like to. I'll see your claim, and, I, and maybe in the spirit of this, maybe it's not. Uh, do you remember when Jermaine Durandamy was the featherweight champion of the UFC because Chris Cyborg didn't fit their timeline or whatever? That feels like the most fraudulent belt in history, unless you're going to do Nico Montano being the flyweight champion. Both somehow of those both are of worse those than this one. Somehow both of those still seem to pale in comparison because if you just go by the UFC's logic, two men deserve to fight for this title coming into tonight, and now all of a sudden neither of those men deserve to fight for this title next month. So. I don't know what we're talking about. No, one of them did deserve to fight. He just didn't want to fight. I, when I was doing my rankings, I have Jamal Hill ranked 14th. So this rules. <laughs> I, he is ranked 14th and about to fight. And this is incredible. I love this so much. I'm so into And you're this. right. And you're 100% right, though, because 
Glover Teixeira, like it was looking pretty bleak for his, the idea of this man ever holding that belt again. Yeah. And I think he's probably going to be favored against Jamal Hill. He's for sure going right, to be favored. Rightfully so. And he's in Brazil. probably going to win that fight in Brazil and have like this incredible like retirement moment going out on top amongst his countrymen. Like what? I don't even who, understand how we got here, guys. Like this is crazy. Who what is luckier? Who is luckier this year? Nate Diaz or Glover Teixeira? Because both of them did nothing wrong, looked like they were really about to catch the bad end of the UFC's vindictiveness. And now here we are, baby. This is this has been a great year for for happy stories in this sport, man. Leon Edwards gets the comeback. This nonsense happens. It rules. I just feel I, I personally I just feel bad for my, for my boy Jan Blakovic because if you like can we just take a second to applaud that man for the way he treated this whole situation because this dude was thrust into a very obviously uncomfortable obviously just bizarre odd strange whatever adjective you want to use situation at the end of that fight like Joe Rogan's up there basically trying to convince you that you lost the fight in front of all of us and, and it's just it, it's such a weird scene and he was the most gracious he could have possibly been in that moment. He was the classiest he could have possibly been in that moment, telling him, hey, put the belt on on, on Magomed, all of this. And even afterwards, when when our buddy Aaron Bronstetter tells him behind, like backstage, hey, uh, sorry to break some news to you, but all of a sudden these are the two guys now fighting for this title. He just kind of laughed. He just kind of laughed and was like, yeah, you know, this is that's a, that's a good call. That's good for them. And it's just like, man, like we don't deserve – Jan Blakovic, dude walked out to the Skyrim theme song. Like, if anybody deserves to be the light heavyweight champion right now, just generally of my world, it's Jan Blakovic because that man handled all of this, like, this very insane, bizarre situation, uh, incredibly classy and, and as best as anybody possibly could have. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Such a weird month for the 205-pound division, and awesome. we'll see what 
we'll see what, what other hilarity could come uh, at UFC 283, which will be here before you know it, gentlemen. But I think we have to address the big story, the one that everybody's talking about, the most trendy topic of UFC 282. And Jed, you mentioned that both of these judges' decisions may not have been correct, but you didn't have a huge problem with either of them. And I'm talking about the big one. Patty Pimblett gets a unanimous decision win against Jared Gordon. And I got to tell you, outside of one person on MMA decisions and Patty Pimblett himself, I didn't see anybody score this fight for Patty Pimblett. Anybody. And this could mean a, this could be just like the the reverse Patty fade where most people just like paid fade Patty in fights. Cause they just want to see him lose. And maybe it's just their reaction to how Patty has been this week. And people just kind of turning on him that were maybe on his side earlier, but I haven't seen one person besides, I think Dan urban is his name. Don't want to call him up, but you can just go on and make decisions and see it. And Patty himself who thought Patty beat Jared Gordon tonight. So explain why you feel like this scorecard this ruling of the judges of Patty winning this fight via unanimous decision is, is not just horrible. Like everybody else thinks it is. So one other person did score the official MMA fighting score for that fight is in fact, uh, two to one Patty Pimblett. Uh, I personally, I scored a little bit differently when I'm doing live blogs versus just how I would do. Cause sometimes, as I said on our uh, other show, sometimes I get in my bag and I'm feeling some type of way and I, I cook a little bit too much. I try not to do that. Uh, and I try mostly to score the way I think judges are going to see it, which is why I was really like we were talking about it off air. You guys apparently on the on the watch along were like very surprised. And I was super not surprised by this outcome because I sort of anticipated I scored. I was surprised by what the scorecards look like. I gave the first round to Jared Gordon, which I think any sensible adult who's watching the fist fight should score that round for Jared Gordon. I know that that's not what two of the judges did, but that that is pretty obvious. Uh, I also and I gave uh, the third round for Patty, and I felt pretty good about giving Patty the third round. And the second was the swing to me. And I, I think personally, I you know, if I was left to my druthers on how I want to score fights, I'd probably score that fight like thirty to twenty eight for Jared Gordon. But based on kind of how the rules work, I think giving the second round to Patty's fine. Um, I favor Jared Gordon's like work that he did, but what realistically happened is Patty Leonard Garcia at his way to, to winning the judges scorecard. And that's, it's not like Jared was doing such clear work that the second round was very obvious. And I don't agree with Dana White on a lot though. He said several things in that post fight, which I actually thought were pretty good. Uh, the one thing that I do like fundamentally agree with him I don't know what the hell Jared Gordon was doing in that third, man. Like that was just an awful, awful strategy to do that and make the fight look like that. So I think a 29-28 Patty is a totally reasonable scorecard. I very much disagree with uh, Doug Crosby and I believe Ron McCarthy who gave the first round to Patty. And so that's how that fight got – that's how that happened. So the end result, I think, is defensible and not like it's maybe not good, but it's not that, but it's fine. Like it's it's in the realm of acceptable outcomes. But when you look at how it happened, it's really bad for them to have scored the first round for Jared Gordon because that was, I think, pretty clearly for for Jared Gordon. Is the clearest round of the entire fight. It's not even close. And Sean, you're shaking your head. I'll, I'll I really you. thought the third was equally as clear. That's the thing there I'm was- surprised by. Sean, we're in the studio, and the only discussion we're having right now is 
is this 3027 Gordon or is it 2928 Gordon? That's the only Thank discrepancy you, because that, that's literally the discussion we were having. And then when we heard three, all three judges scored 2928, I'm like, big win for Jared Gordon. Nice to see him get his moment. And then Bruce did the thing where he pointed at Jared and I'm like, oh no, this is, this is about to happen. And then he does the pivot. Patty, the best. I couldn't believe it. So what do you have to say to what Jed said and just the overall scoring of this fight? Uh, thank you, Mike Heck, for reintroducing reason into this show because, Jed, I love you. <laughs> I love you so much, my man. I, I, I consider us very good friends, but what the hell? You, no, that, that like I don't use the word robbery much. In fact, I very rarely <laughs> use the word robbery. Like that, that word is grievously overused in combat sports and in particular in MMA, where if any decision you don't like is a robbery or like any close decision you don't like, people just call it a robbery. Fellas, that was a robbery. Like that was a very clear robbery, and we all watched it. And I think it's pretty unanimous among most people who who maybe are not Jed Patty or uh, I forget the gentleman who scored it on MMA decisions for for Patty. I, I I'm sorry, Dan Urban. I think Mike said. I believe, uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah, no, that was a robbery, guys. Like that was just a straight up robbery. And like the fact that, like, wow, Doug Crosby had himself a hell of a weekend, right? Like you're gonna come in here, <laughs> give me, get pull out a fifty four five for Danny Sabs, and then come come the very next day in a very flies different, across the country, flies across the country, different side of the country, comes in and gets the twenty nine twenty eight for Pimblet. Like that's you, you had yourself a weekend, my friend. Uh, kudos to you for for just going out there and doing whatever you want. Uh, if only all of us could really get that leeway in our jobs to really just kind of do whatever we want, because that sounds great. Uh, yeah, no, man, like that was that was a very clear victory for Jared Gordon. And it was very clear the way in which it happened, right? I scored a 29-28 for Jared Gordon. First two rounds were, were pretty much all him. Patty did very little. Uh, Jared, that the the way he approached the third, I mean, I think we, it's fair to criticize, right? Like he very much took off the gas. It felt like that was a very clear patty round. The Jed, you did get one thing right in that mentioning the way that Crosby and McCarthy both sort of arrived at their scores is also just like deeply troubling and puzzling where they gave Jared Gordon round three of like all the of all the rounds. That was the round he won. I just don't understand anything about well, what we saw. See, no, that uh, that actually feels consistent for Crosby because Crosby gave gave Danny Sabatello all five rounds. So Jared Gordon <laughs> hugging Pimblet, like, had he thought about it, he'd be like, shit, Crosby's judging. I should just hold him the whole fight. I'll get all of the rounds this way. That is actually at least consistent from him, even if it's batshit crazy. <laughs> I genuinely feel bad for Jared Gordon, who if you know Jared Gordon or have, or have you know watched Jared Gordon over the years or have heard anything about Jared Gordon's story, like this is a man who has gone through a lot in his life. And and like that is the biggest understatement that I could possibly deliver. Like look into his backstory a little bit. Man's died multiple times like in overdose situations before being revived. He's gone through hell and back. Uh, I've written two different long form features about him just because that's how that's the extent of which how crazy his life has been and, and the various twists and turns that he has gone like he is there are, are a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there and he did not deserve to 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 pull out on the wrong end of this one like this should have been a career defining victory for him uh, and, and meanwhile like. I don't know, man. Like, I, I understand what we were saying at the beginning of like, there's no other way for Patty to approach this. You kind of have to accept it of, hey, I won. I won the fight, you know, whatever. 
I feel like there's a lot there. There is a middle ground between I, I clearly, clearly won the fight and then doing what Jan did where, oh, yeah, no, I definitely didn't win the fight. Like you could admit and accept that this was a close fight and that maybe you could see where some people got it wrong. The whole thing is just very, I, I don't want to say strange. It just it's again, what a week. I, I, I'm picking my words carefully, but just what a weekend for for MMA judging, right? Like what the hell did we just watch? Because Patty Pimblett should have lost yeah. that fight. But if nothing else, that fight feels illustrative to me, at least, of the idea that Patty Pimblett maybe is who we thought, oh, I think a lot of us thought he was just in the UFC generally, where this isn't a guy who's eventually going to be a UFC champion. Like this is probably someone who peeks out maybe hitting the, the crest of that top 15. But I, I I mean, this was just very illustrative of sort of where his ceiling is in this division and the kind of guys he will struggle with. Because Jared Gordon, for all he is, he's a very hard worker. He's, he's a very tough guy. He grinds it out. He's not a top 15 guy in this division. And Patty Pimblett should have lost to him tonight. So, again, just weird night, guys. Weird, weird night. And I I'm made a huge fan of the fact that we only had the judges come into play twice and they probably beefed it on both. It's just the best. So MMA. Well, what I was saying earlier is I actually, no matter how you feel about this decision and pretty much 99.5% of the people feel like Jared Gordon got screwed by the judges in this fight. I feel like for the Patty side, while you want to go out there and not get hurt, because obviously he has a, he has an ankle injury he's going to have to deal with. Who knows how long that's going to shelve him. But you want to go out there and get a big finish and and do what you did to Jordan Levitt and Luigi Vendramini and Kazula Vargas. You want to just keep the streak going. You want to keep that momentum going. But God, what a streak of people he fought! Right, <laughs> but the whole the whole build of this of of this week for Patty was if he goes out there and does this to Jared Gordon, like okay, maybe he's better than we thought. I still don't think he's going to win a title, but. If he goes out there and beats a Jared Gordon convincingly the same way he beat these other guys, he's going to have to fight a top 15 guy in some way. Worst case, like, and I don't even know what the UFC rankings look like right now. Worst case, like a Money Moicano or something like that. And I would favor pretty much every single person, except maybe the Tony fight, but I don't think they would do that. But I would favor pretty oh, much every know. single person. <laughs> yeah, I would favor... I would favor every single person to beat Patty like badly, convincingly. We, but now we gotta walk back the money Moicano thing. I know you brought that up on BTL. Dude, Moicano dumps that kid. You can't have him fight Moicano right now. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, no, like this this might have been the best thing for Patty, right? Because like 100 percent That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Now he doesn't have to fight the yeah, now he doesn't have to fight these dudes. Now he could fight anybody. He could just fight, he could fight backwards now. And just he's, he's probably Patty. going to fight backwards now. It's beautiful. Like it's, this actually worked out really well for him, in my opinion. Because if he goes out there and starches Jared Gordon, he's fighting like Demir Ismagulov or Grant Dawson or Jalen Turner, <laughs> yeah, and now he doesn't good. have to. It's actually, and and now the interest and the emotion that people evoke towards Patty Pimblet, it's like tenfold now. And now he doesn't have to fight Armand Sarukian anymore. This is all in all pretty damn good night for Patty Pimblett outside the injury, Sean. I mean, it's it's 
certainly not bad, right? Like throughout the week, he he certainly had himself a very eventful week in one way or another. And he was the big story of the week for better or worse. I don't know if it was the way he envisioned being the big story of the week, but he certainly was for most of the week. I mean, I was in Las Vegas on Thursday for the World MMA Awards and all everybody could talk about to anybody uh, was the thing that happened between Patty and our colleague Ariel Helwani earlier this week. And then now he has this. Uh, there is an element, I mean, there is a, a, we have seen this over and over again in the fight, fight game of if people hate you, you're probably going to make a lot of money in this game, right? Like people will come out in droves to watch you fight to just to see you lose. And I think Patty might have sort of edged his way into that aura, into that, that zone, into that place this week. I mean, it, it feels like if you just look around social media right now, look around the internet, uh, the, I mean, just all throughout the week, but in particular tonight, uh, I, he did not engender himself, I think, to a lot of the MMA community, which that's ultimately going to make him lots of money moving forward. Because you're right, he, he's someone who's now going to be, it feels like, still fighting these top 30, top 25 guys, guys who are not the Ismagulovs or, or Grant Dawson's or, or Jalen Turner's or anybody else that he would have been thrown against. Uh, he, might, he probably is going to win those fights, and then he's just going to have a lot of people tuning in to watch him lose. And it's, I mean, that's a hell of a grift if you can get it. So that's that fight. If we could, uh, we're gonna be talking about that whole thing for a week now. Uh, crazy win for Santiago Ponzinibbio. I actually felt bad for both him and Alex Morono because I actually thought that fight was pretty fun. It just followed Darren Till versus Drickus Duplessis. Jed, you're Darren Till's biggest fan. You had nothing but praise and great things to say about the one-time title challenger. Uh, obviously, I'm joking, but. Were you impressed with Darren Till tonight? Because the guy showed some gusto. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no impression at all, huh? Why would I be <laughs> impressed with him? No. Like, look, he's not a wilting lily. Like, I've never said that he's like a punk. It's just he's not good. And he, <laughs> he wasn't good then. He had a dead man. DDP was gassed. I don't care what he said at the end about I'm from South Africa and I knew. And good for him for turning on in the third. The whole second round, it was pretty clear that he couldn't breathe. <laughs> like he had just spent it all throwing a 10-7 up on Till in round one, by the way. Like, I don't – Darren Till just doesn't have it. That's why I love this card so much. All of these outcomes are ideal. Darren Till is – I don't have to ever deal with him again. He'll keep fighting, but we don't even have to pretend that he's a top guy now. We can just move on from that part of our life and I'll be much happier. Like he, he could have won that fight if he like tried to win the fight in the second round and he didn't. And then he, and I don't know, cause he clearly, it looks, it seems like he injured his knee and maybe he did that in the second round and that's why he didn't push, push the action. But no, I like, he's exactly the fighter I thought he was. If not, frankly, a little bit worse after that fight. <laughs> wow. Sean, I, I thought the matchmaking was brilliant here because yes, I agree it, it, for a lot of ways because Drickus has everything you need to be successful in this business. He's a good fighter. He's not never in a boring fight. Looks good coming off the bus. Speaks really well, but he just didn't really have that like signature moment to really get him over. Darren Till is obviously very very popular, and for the Till side, there aren't a lot of top fifteen matchups for him that favor him in any way. But this one, from a stylistic perspective, was probably his best chance to get a ranked victory. And Till had his moments. The fight was a lot of fun. Dana praised it. Got over with a lot of the fans. All in all, 
this was excellent matchmaking and it was proven your thoughts on the fight, what DDP did tonight. Do you think DDP came out looking better in the stock department? Obviously he does cause he won and it was a crazy fight, but do you think the UFC will look at him in a different way? Like, all right, maybe we could push this guy a little more. We got something here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you said it, he showed out tonight, right? Like this was the statement victory that he was sort of looking for. Um, and I mean, it, it's funny because this middleweight division is in such a strange place after UFC 281, where like if Drickus fought Alex Pereira tomorrow, like I might favor Drickus just stylistically, right? Like this is a weird division right now with Izzy no longer at the top. Like it feels like anything's sort of possible. So he certainly he's in a much better spot uh, than he was before this. I mean, that was that was a hell of a performance. Even that first round, man, like Jed said, like that was that was as close to a 10-7 as you can sort of get uh, without being a 10-7. I mean, I would have scored that a 10-8 at least. I will say, though, I mean, just looking at the other side of it, it does feel like the main story is that that felt like the end of – I guess whatever, like you can't write off anybody who's in their 20s. That seems foolish to do so, but it does feel Watch as me. if it does. Well, no, it just does feel as if we have seen the peak of the Darren Till experience, right? Like it has been all downhill since he was crowned, like sort of crowned mm -hmm. as the heir apparent to the welterweight throne ever since that, that Wonder Boy fight. I think he's one in five. And if we're being honest, all six of those fights were just not good performances. Even the one he won, the Kelvin Gastelum one, that was just not a good fight. Darren Till hasn't looked like Darren Till in a long time, and I think it's almost time to just sort of admit the reality of the situation that maybe this is just who Darren Till is, right? Like this is just a, a, a guy who is deeply flawed as a fighter, who is very charismatic as a personality, but who has very obvious holes and a blueprint out there on how to beat him and it feels like that's not changing right you would he, he goes and he changes any teams and he, not even changes team but just sort of adjusts his training and trains more with hamza and he thought that was going to maybe be able to shore up his wrestling and yet today we saw it third round very tired drinkus duplistas still pulling out takedowns just pretty effortlessly uh and, and sort of doing whatever he wanted in there and it's just it's it's the books out there on darren till and it feels like now i mean would anybody be surprised that if Darren Till's sort of, you know, fate ends up being the guy who in 2024 or 2025 just loses to someone we don't even know in like a PFL tournament in round one, right? Like that sort of feels like that's the direction this is headed. He has plenty of time to change that direction. He, a countryman of his, Michael Bisbing, certainly was able to author some late career heroics and and pull out some, pull something off that no one thought – week or that no one thought he could do but it does feel like we have just seen the darren till experience peak and i don't know man like that's that it, it's it what didn't go it all of this didn't go the way that i think a lot of us did a lot of us thought it would uh when he was I'm trying winning fights. <laughs> i'm trying to listen to sean just wax poetically and all i hear in my earphones is jed laughing well, he why because he brought up the hamzat thing can y'all imagine what it looks like when hamzat trains with him drink his duplex is effortlessly took this man down with zero gas tank is Hamza like not try to wrestle him in the gym is like that what happens because I can't imagine a world where he doesn't just like oh now you're on the ground again here we go let's keep working on this Darren I guess it's just, it was a wildly amusing image to me with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to the main card opener because both of you gentlemen, Jed and Sean, very high on Ilya Taporia. Yes. Into this card and, and has been for a while. I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Sean. I mean, I picked Ilya to win this fight. Oh, he, I mean, he had Bryce's attention right away. The first punch he landed, I was like, whoa, this could be a problem. And Bryce, of course, at some point was probably going to get a takedown. But at that point, I think a lot of the damage had been done. You could see the expression on Bryce's face changed immensely from the second that fight started to like 90 seconds in. He was just like, oh, this is a whole different animal that I'm fighting compared to the other opponents that I've had. But Ilya Taporia, statement win. Sky's the limit for this guy. Sean, I'm I'm ready to throw him in with Arnold Allen right now. Number one contender fight. I don't care if he's ranked 14th in the UFC rankings. This guy is a top five 145er in the, on the planet, and he proved it tonight. Ilya Taporia is terrifying, Mike Heck. Like, that man is utterly terrifying. He throws every ounce of himself into every single punch he throws. Like, it is absurd how hard he's... At one point, I, I think it was, like, early in the fight, he 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 whiffed on a punch and, like, his whole body spun around, right? Like, that, that it's just crazy watching <laughs> this guy fight. I absolutely love it, man. Like, the... the we've been saying this for a bit, but it's, it's more... It's, it's you could just see it tonight like the future of this 145 pound division is so ridiculously fun right between him most of and and arnold allen you have a, a combined 21 and 0 in the ufc and you just have these these young hungry guys raging up the ranks just waiting for their chance like that that is why i mean i i'm all for this this folk uh islam fight that we're about to get next year but that's why me and jed have been saying this whole time like volk has not cleared out this division there is still a ton of work to be done at 145 because the, the young hungry like next generation here once we get past the max holloways and sort of the guys who have been existing at the top like these dudes are for real man and Ilya Taporia is a dangerous dangerous sight to be able to do that what to, to Bryce Mitchell, like I hold Bryce Mitchell as a fighter in very high regard. That dude is very, very skilled, especially on the ground. And Ilya Tapora ran through that man like like a hot knife through butter. Like it was just it, it was, again, so terrifying. He is an incredibly good grappler. He throws every ounce of himself into every punch he throws. And he has stupid power. Like I, I have said for a while that I believe this man is a future champion and I have never felt stronger about that than I do tonight. Like this, it, it is only inevitable in my mind that we see Ilya Taporia wearing a gold belt. And can you imagine if they ever booked Taporia versus Patty Pimblett, what that would look like? Like, Oh my gosh. Dope. I'm not, it would be the I'm best. <laughs> I would love it so much. Seeing a, I gotta say, I'm seeing a lot of people throw frankly meaner matchups out there for Patty right now. So yeah, that that would be a tough one for him, no doubt about it. But Jed, this guy's 
guy's a problem. We, we, you've been talking about him for a minute. And what's interesting about Ilya in this performance is that a lot of people are doubting him. They felt like he, they, he was overlooking Bryce. He was focused on Patty, but not on the task at hand. And not the case, huh? No. Uh, <laughs> I know there's not too much to say, honestly, beyond what Sean said. I don't love how aggressively he was swinging, but honestly – he, it felt like he was doing it because his utter lack of respect for what Bryce McCook <laughs> would do back to him. Because it's not like he didn't come out and like he came out very low stance and he sort of built into the, all right, I'm going to throw my hip into this thing. Like I'm chucking the world at you. And it feels like it was just a, yeah, buddy, you, you, you ain't got it <laughs> against me. I, I have, I have tested your measure and found you wanting and because even the finish was just like real big brother shit. Like, just like, dude, dude, get off me. And I think it goes back to what you said. The very first punch he landed, like Bryce looked very uncomfortable. And then I went back and looked after it. Cause I hadn't really considered this. Bryce hasn't been hit a ton in his, his UFC career. Like he's been hit like a total before this fight, like a total of a hundred times. Half of that came in his tough debut. Uh, but like not against big hitters, the good hitters he's faced, he took them down immediately. <laughs> like Edson Barbosa got like five strikes on him. Charles Rosa got like three strikes on him. He hasn't been hit by a dude really. And it looked, he looked very unhappy being hit by Ilya Tapuria. And I can't blame him. We all saw what happened to Jai Herbert. I don't want to get punched by that man. Uh, and yeah, nobody at featherweight should want to fight this dude. Nobody should want to do it. Uh, there are like maybe, maybe five featherweights I would pick to beat him in a fight right now. This dude's awesome, and he's 25. He is only getting better, baby. Sky's the limit's going to rule. What a performance. Can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, Want to shout out Cameron Simon, TJ Brown, Billy Q, that friggin' animal, Chris Curtis, Edmund Shabazi, and Garzinho Rosenstrike. Just getting finishes, but I think the name from the prelims that most people are talking about 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr., Shaheen Alshadi. Yeah. A lot of questions about him coming in. We all see the skill. We all see the talent. We've seen the Contender Series performance. We saw a lot of his fights early on, just running through dudes in the first round. We're wondering, maybe the moment's a little too much for him. Maybe Jay Perrin's not the right matchup for him because Jay's a dog, and maybe the, the 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 adrenaline will just dump away from him and then jay with his toughness and his durability will be able to take this kid out but the second i saw raul rosas jr walk to the octagon i was like this guy ain't rattled by this moment at all he is soaking it all in he is more than comfortable with it and golly did he perform against a very tough guy in jay perrin it's not a lot jay perrin fought mario batista and on like a week's notice for his UFC debut, cut all that weight and went the full 15 with Mario Batista in a fight that aged very well. Cause Mario's just killing guys now. And here comes Raul Rose jr. Just tackles him, controls him, chucks him around and then t- easily taps him in the first round over exceeded your expectations. Shaheen. Honestly. Yeah. I have to say he did like, cause I, you know, I watched his contender series fights uh, or his contender series fight and he felt like someone who 
not, maybe not in the Chase Cooper mold of someone who you know has this raw potential, but he's not quite ready. I don't know that he was there yet, but he did feel like someone that I don't know that I feel comfortable throwing this kid into the big leagues just right now. Like I don't want you don't want to see someone's career get cut short because they took too many beatings early on, even if they managed to win these fights and, and sort of gut it out in wars. But he that was just that that looked effortless to him. Like that looked like he didn't struggle remotely in that fight and to me that was very impressive because i don't know what you were doing when you were 18 years old mike heck but this man was born in 2004 and randy couture was the champion of the ufc in 2004 and i very very vividly remember randy couture being the champion of the ufc in 2004 so the fact that this guy is is doing this now at this age handling this kind of spotlight he felt like he did he belonged in this spotlight right like he didn't feel like he shied away from the moment at all he, he was reveling in it he was enjoying it he had a great walkout like I, I am incredibly impressed with this kid, and I, I don't think that he's going to be a top ten guy tomorrow. I don't think that you know we're we're looking at someone who's going to win the UFC title anytime soon. But the fact that he was able to acclimate himself and perform like that on a stage like this at that age, and really show out in the way that he did. I think it's incredibly impressive. And if you just look at the numbers online, it seems like people are very into the idea of following this story and seeing how far this kid can go right now. Like it's can't say enough superlatives about him, man. I, I he he exceeded my expectations greatly, I have to say. Jed, what did you think? I don't know. Um he looked great. I guess he very dominant win. I am reserving judgment on him. I, I still don't think he should be in the UFC just because he's 18 years old and you should let him develop and figure out what he's doing. And I know he's got some uh, extensive, you know, Amy background, et cetera. It, it is very hard for me to feel any level of confident about any sort of projection here. He he was not shook by the moment. I think that's the only real thing to take away. He He wants to do this, so maybe it'll be good. Um, he's got some good signs on him. It's just, it's really hard for me to look at that fight and be like, cool. It's like, all right, yeah, it's a great win. But like, um, who's the dude who beat, um, stupid ass CM Punk? Uh, Mickey Gall. There you go. I remember Mickey Gall coming in and being like, Mickey Gall's brown belt and looks like a world beater. And he's just been like, fine. And that's the thing that I assume that Raul Rosas Jr. will not like be terrible right like he he seems to have a baseline of talent and he's young and he wants to grow but growth is not linear it, it can't really project how it, he is so young it's hard for me to feel like i can project anything with him and so he won this fight and he has a baseline level of competence and that is important and good and but he is just going to be a guy i, I suspect that i am never going to be able to believe in because his their push is going to far exceed probably what he is actually capable of doing at this point in time because he's 18 years old, but they are already, they already positioned him in, in a marquee spot. I will say he's probably the biggest winner of the whole weekend because I just looked it up. I was trying to pop it. He's getting a wiki page. It's not there yet, but if you click it, there is a draft up. So he will have a Wikipedia page probably like by this time tomorrow. So congratulations, Raul Rosas Jr. You've made it. You know, you know who his road or like maybe not road, but projection sort of reminds me of. And I'm sort of thinking of every time I, we're, we're sort of talking about him now is Jake Matthews, right? Because Jake Matthews came into the UFC incredibly, incredibly young. 
had a, like a, some mild success, won a few fights, would win some, then lose one, win some, then lose one. And it took him what? Like he he, he debuted in 2014, I believe. That I, I'm not very good at math on the fly, but I think that's eight years ago. He's 28 now, so he must have been around 20 when that happened. And just now he is starting to become who I think we – who he will be in his in his prime form right like yeah. the last time we saw jake matthews out there jed both you and i were ridiculously he's, extraordinarily he's impressed yeah like he's a grown man now he's a grown-ass man with you know grown-ass man technique grown-ass man muscles who's out there doing grown-ass man things and i think that's sort of like something similar that we can look at for ralph rosas jr where this isn't a max holloway who's going to come in in my mind at least and and be a ufc champion fairly quickly very very early on in his 20s but it does feel like someone who can stick around have fun fights probably win some lose some but eventually mature into a very very capable and dangerous contender that's sort of the way i see it at least right now you don't even have to go there you can go like there's like a very real chance edmund shabazian is that fought on this card only 25 and like i i that's totally possible. It is maybe he's the next John Jones. I, it is so hard for me because that fight was nothing, and then that feels a bit dismissive. But like, I knew that he can tackle people and grapple. He just did it, and then so and great, like he did it. But Jay Perrin is not the guy who's telling me. And the way because when you're looking at fights like that, then it really becomes like a old guy eyeball test, and it wasn't like holy shit, his athleticism blows the doors off me. And, and like a lot of times when I'm like super high on a guy, it really just boils down to that dude is a hyper athlete. And so he is going to be awesome. I don't, Raul Rosas Jr. does not look like a hyper athlete to me. And, and he looks like a fine one, but it is not like this guy isn't going to the NFL combine and jumping off the page as far as what I've seen thus far. But he's also only 18, so maybe he just give him some time. Like, he is so raw. I just need more from him to feel any kind of a real way. The talent is definitely there. I mean, you see it like the 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 foundation. Like you can I mean, build a pretty friggin' cool house maybe. with this foundation. I maybe like it's that's it's really hard because like he's a great grappler. If you roll into any BJJ gym, they can probably do the same things. Like it's, there's not everybody, but there are some guys there. Like, and it's, it is just so hard for me to project on an 18 year old because the, the difference between 18 and 21 is astronomical, like in basically all facets of life. And I just have no idea what his next three years are going to look like. And I'll feel a little bit better. I think maybe if I just see him a bunch more, then maybe I can feel more like confident in it. But I just, he might wake up tomorrow and be like, I'd rather play video games. Cause you can do shit like that. When you're that young, like who, who can tell him not to. So it's, I just want if, if he's going to be here, I'd rather him be doing the regional thing. I think that would be better for his development, but if he's going to be here, he never, never get him up the ladder. He just That's gets to thing. stay in, in That's this shit. Right. For I, the next I just, three years, spin your wheels, do this. That's a hundred percent the thing is I just hope the UFC doesn't do the UFC thing with him and get too ahead of themselves with him. Because right now you can see it again on the metrics. If you just look at other websites, our website, social media posts, YouTube interviews, whatever, people are interested in Ralph Rosas Jr. He clicks. There, there is general MMA community interest behind this kid. And when that happens, the UFC tends to push someone 
maybe too far, too quick. I don't know if that generally, because some, for some people it's not too quick, but they will push that person as far as they can possibly go before they fail. And I just hope that doesn't happen in this case, because you're a hundred percent right, Jed. There's a massive difference between 18 and 21. And I would, it, it would just be unfortunate if this kid's potential and future, et cetera, whatever career got diminished in a way that it doesn't need to be simply because he was pushed up the ladder far too soon. There are some times and some instances where treading water is totally fine when you're coming to, in regards to matchmaking philosophies and, and things like that. And, and I do not want to see this guy uh, elevate himself to a top, you know, 20, 25 type of matchup until he's in that like 20, 21 range. And it feels like he's ready for it. Even if he's blowing the doors off of these guys consistently every time out, like it's just, we have to manage this, these expectations a little differently than even someone like a Patty or something like that. Right. He is 18. Ultimately, I know people are sick of hearing about it and that's all we're going to hear, but he's still 18. He's still a kid. Like we just can't ruin him too soon by doing the UFC thing. Completely yeah. agree. Um, book him correctly. Got- and I think you're going to be okay. All I'm, all I'm saying is Sage Northcutt had a very similar potential. Uh, maybe a little bit less. Rosa seems like he has shown a little bit more uh, at this stage, but I also think Sage is probably a little bit better of an athlete. And we like we're, we know what Sage is now. This is the UFC's history in this exact circumstance has been pretty bad. And mm-hmm. so I... I can't think of outside of frankly John Jones, who's John and Jones. I can't think of the UFC doing this well. I cannot think of one where it was like, oh, that worked out. And John Jones was just cool. If Raul Rosas Jr. is possibly the best fighter of all time, then this then their plan might work. Otherwise, we get Chase Hooper. <laughs> you know, like it's. I have a lot of trepidation. I guess is where I'm at. Last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll take a couple questions, is the first thought I had after this finish is like, this could be the beginning of something. Because I, I've talked to fighters and for, for a while just thinking about, hey, what do you think the sport's going to be like five years from now? And what they consistently say is, we're going to see these like really young kids come up and fight in the UFC because instead of getting into jujitsu and training MMA at like 14, 15, 16, 17. Some, some of these guys that are successful now, like didn't even find an MMA gym until like they finished high school wrestling or college wrestling. These kids are getting into it at like three or four years old and they're doing it their entire lives. So by the time they're like 16, 17, 18, they have the experience level of a 25 year old, a 26 year old, you know what I mean? So Maybe it's just coming a little bit sooner. I don't think Raul, there's going to be a bunch of Raul Rosas juniors in the UFC in 2023 or 2024, but this could be like the start of that trend that all these fighters keep telling me about, like that come into their gyms at like 11 years old and they're rolling and submitting black belts. Like it's just crazy to even hear those stories. But then you see a kid like this and you're just like, all right, well, maybe there's some truth to it and maybe – this trend is starting a little bit earlier, but we'll see. Do not rush this kid Probably. for the love of God. Do not do it. Just, I don't even want to see him fight again until he graduates from high school. Like, let him just be a kid. Like, let him enjoy the rest of his, let him enjoy the the, the rest of his high school career. And then if you want to throw him on like an international fight week card, if he wants to do it, do that. But let this kid be a kid. Like, and, and, and I say this to Raul too. Like, 
I know you're excited and I know you'd love to fight next week. And that's cool, man. Like you want to be that guy and you want to make a statement. You want to make an impact right away, but you're only 18 once, man. You're only, you're only going to have this time once. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. No regrets. No regrets. All right. Casey, do we have any questions? We're not going to go crazy here because it's freaking late. Yeah. But we'll take a couple. Jeez, Mike, is it like 4 a.m. for you guys? Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, man. <laughs> Monster. Mike didn't even need to go to bed. He's got a flight to catch in the morning. He just stayed right through. Grind. Just grind. Nah, I'm here. I'm here for a while. I got on to the next one with AK yeah. at 11 a.m. tomorrow. So that's so. why I, I got lots of what's next questions, who should he fight next. I threw those all the way. We have a watch, – watch on to the next great, great, great podcast. We'll be here. We'll be great here on this, on this here channel. But, um, we'll be here one, one on last this channel. channel. Rose's, channel. Ju- Rose's Jr., I, I like this comment. Uh, that's five years point. to become champion to be the youngest ever. Jones no, right. See, and, that, and that's five correct. Years. Yeah. Because that's the thing, too. Like, when you're talking about the I, – I agree that I think in the next probably 10 years, there are not going to be old champions. Like, that's not how any other professional sport basically works. Like, there are outliers, but certainly not to the extent we have. It's just going to be a lot more people who – your championship window stops being 28 to 34 and is going to move to, like, 25 to 30 at the back end of it. But, like – Boxing, you don't see a bunch of 18-year-olds rolling into boxing and, like, fighting world championship fights because their trainers are good. <laughs> and so they will fight a bunch, but it is it's it is developmental fights. And then by the time they're, like, 21, then it's like, all right, now this is a real fighter. Now we can – now we have developed somebody who's either gone through the Olympic circuits or they have, you know, 20-some-odd – winnable like easy matchups and now we can start making something happen with them that's what needs to happen with this kid three years of doing nothing <laughs> i mean fighting guys like me that would be great for him um this is more of a comment but it's interesting let you guys read it Patty better quit being delusional if he ever has a chance at being champion, period. Thinking he dominated this fight isn't going to help him versus a greater competition. Luke, I appreciate you commenting and listening to this and watching this, but let's be clear. He's not going to be a champion. This guy's never fighting for a title. He's just – no one has – like maybe outside of him saying it and maybe like his close personal friends and teammates feel this way – no one has looked at Patty Pim and be like, this guy is a UFC champion. He is in the hardest division in the sport. He ain't beating these guys. And that's fine. You can make a great living being a Patty Pimblet and fighting in the UK. He's obviously very popular. Did you see the reaction he got when he walked out? That was like incredible. That was incredible stuff. He could just fight the Jared Gordons of the world and co-main events on pay-per-views and be just fine. But he's not going to be a champion. He's not going to be a champion. He's not fighting a top five guy. It's not going to happen. It's just not. And to, I think tonight proved it. Like tonight certainly proved it. If he fights Armand Sarukian, he is he, – it's going to be so bad. I mean it's going to be so bad. Jalen Turner, Grant Dawson, those guys <laughs> destroy him. Like it's not competitive. But – you throw him in there. Terrence McKinney, interesting fight. I'd watch the hell out of that now. It makes sense mm-hmm. now. I think I'd pick Terrence to win. You think? 
But that feels like that makes less sense to me now. Although I guess I he actually, won. So never mind. I, never won. Won. I, guess I agree that it makes sense. I just think Terrence probably probably thumps him. Maybe. But that fight now makes that's more actually sense. Not a bad, that's not a bad matchmaking, though. Good good Otno. That's why you have a show, huh? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, why I've spoiled a couple of these already. But, yeah, I mean, for, for God's sake, this I mean, just do that. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. Like, I hated the Tapore idea. I never liked it because of the thumping. But if both guys, like if Bryce Mitchell went out there and just strangled Tapore and tapped him in the first, or Jared Gordon just wrecked him and beat Patty, then it makes sense. Then you can just chuck those two dudes in there. They're just fighting to settle a beef. No one's trending towards titles or anything like that at that moment. Then it makes sense. But to book him and Patty together now makes literally no sense at all. No sense. But yeah, I will. I will also quibble with the idea that he uh, can't be delusional. I know what you're. I know what you're saying, and it would be better for him as like a person to be a little more introspective. I actually think that being completely delusional is a really big benefit in the world of fist fighting. You want to have a coach who's rational and who can can walk you back, and that's where Conor McGregor has failed because that man is very clearly delusional. But there is nobody in his corner to be like, hey, so let's let's you keep believing that. But here are the real things we're going to make you better with. So he just spiraled off into whatever he's doing. Patty just needs to make sure his corner he needs to still be insane because that's the only way you can be a high level professional athlete. Realistically, he just needs to have people around him who are rational and can mitigate that to some extent. It's gonna be awesome. Like Patty got a W, and then but he's somehow gonna move farther back, like in the line as far as like oh, level yeah. of opponents. It's it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird place to be. But hey, like he's, he's making money. I guess it's working. And I don't think even this whole Patty becoming a champion. Why does it matter? Doesn't he's gonna be the, he's gonna be one of the most successful prize fighters in the world? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that is Nate Diaz. Place to be. Nate, I was going to say, Diaz Nate never Diaz became a champion. Fights, man. Nate Diaz I don't think anybody cares. Made a lot of money. Molly McCann became a star by beating the two worst fighters in her division. <laughs> it's true. Actually, real quick, the Nate Diaz thing. Well, that's kind though. of a chicken no. of the egg because they only become the worst fighters when Molly McCann knocks them out. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Nate Diaz situation, we, we we keep saying Patty shouldn't fight this guy, Patty, Patty shouldn't fight this guy because he'll get thumped. But Nate Diaz is a freaking star despite getting thumped many times. Why why are we so why are we so preoccupied with protecting Patty? Because we're saying like we don't want to fight Zaruki, that just makes no sense. You know, we don't invite Toporia, that makes no sense because he's gonna get thumped. I don't know that anybody's saying we no, don't I, want I, I to fight. Like, it just no. more or less is is silly to even talk about him and Toporia. Yeah, him and Toporia are not away. even the same yeah. weight class. They're not even the okay, same well, weight take, class. Take away Toporia, but you know, just Patty. I don't um, think it's a good idea, Casey, and here's why. Because do, 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 do you know, I'm not. I don't, yeah, okay. it's not necessarily going to ruin his stardom. I also don't think that trying to replicate Nate Diaz is like a successful business model. <laughs> like, yeah. Nate Nate pulled it off, and Patty probably can. Like, I think when Patty loses, it will be fine. But you also just, if you have the, uh, the leeway to not have him lose, then that's cool. I will also say, 
uh, I am really, really confident uh, that – well, part of Nate's thing is even when Nate lost, he didn't lose. You know, like he could always do the Nate thing of I won or it was competitive, et cetera. When Patty hits a level, it is not going to be splitties to Joe Stevenson or Clay Guido or fifth-round comebacks against Leon Edwards. It's going to be Armand Sarukian bagging him up. <laughs> like it is not going to be a – I could have won that or clearly that wasn't a close fight. It's going to be definitive in a really bad way, which again, it probably survived, but why do it if you can avoid it? Yeah. Clay Guida is actually not a bad matchup. You said that. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I saw I, I Oh my God. They're totally going to do that. Aren't they? That actually yeah. kind of makes a lot of sense I, I, for what we're doing. I, I, I almost <laughs> threw that comment up. Someone put it up there too, but mentioning Guida, I was like, hmm. Uh, Jed loves that idea. His two favorite fighters getting after it. This is great. Clickman is so bad. (laughs) (sighs) I'd pick Patty to win a fight, I guess. Oh, my gosh. That's, that, that fight makes a lot of sense. That fight actually makes a ton of sense, Mike. I want Otno points. I want the Otno points. If they make it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just love the kind of us kind of getting to watch these kind of stars being built. And I'm really always interested in, like, when do these when do these guys hit levels where it doesn't matter if they win or lose? You know, is Patty at that level? If he gets dumped, he's still the same star. Because Patty's not even undefeated. Yeah, he's got, like, three losses, right, already. It's like, yeah, like, but nobody knows who Soren Bach is. Yeah, that's like, we're like when Connor can use it. He had, like, three, a couple losses, too, already. But we act like he was undefeated forever. But, um... Yeah, just yeah, he, but he he needed to win tonight. Like he needed to win tonight. Like it, and if he did win tonight, I didn't think he was going to win like this. Like I didn't think we'd be sniffing robberies with a Patty Pimble win. I thought Jared would look good until he didn't, and chaos ensued, and Patty strangled him. And that's a whole different thing. Like he needed to win tonight, but he doesn't need to win the next fight because he's going to fight a ranked guy, and they're going to just throw him into the waters and see how he will swim, and he probably won't. And then you're like, all right, now we know for sure. We'll just do UK fight nights and Patty can headline against guys he will probably beat. And you can make a great living doing that. That's totally okay. And that's just where he is. And that's cool. That's cool. It's nothing wrong with that. Guys, you know who's ranked in the UFC's lightweight rankings right now? Conor McGregor. (laughs) You can just roll it out. I don't think he wins it, but that's a very winnable fight for Connor. That would sell so many stupid pay-per-views. We're trying to find a way to get Connor a W. There you go. Right there. And that is a win-win for the promotion, too. That is. That's my new Otno pick. That's the fight. Make book it. I hate that you said, I hate that you brought this into. Yeah. Brought this into the universe. If they don't do it now, like I'm not saying they can't ever, but like it feels actually like a really good opportunity to do this. I feel like you have have to to show Patty for so long, right? Because Connor's got to do the six months. Who knows when that's even going to happen? Does he have to do them? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Anything goes. I guess. Brock Lesnar sure didn't have to do it. Yeah. GSP. I'm just saying, International Fight Week 2023. If they if they just book Connor and just said oh there's an exception we would be like okay <laughs> I would I want to be extremely clear I wouldn't care anyway but I doubt a single soul would care if you were like we're gonna do Patty Connor nobody's gonna be like 
unacceptable. The sporting <laughs> merit of this. Hey it's like, hell yeah. Hey Let's guys. do it. I think we're past the sporting. Yeah. I think we're past the sporting merit of things, especially. Yeah. Just look at the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I was going to say past Anthony Smith going to have some conversations things. with you right now. Poor Anthony Smith. Of some of this. Yeah. <laughs> Is Anthony Smith the biggest? Lo- uh, no, not a lot of people lost yes. tonight, but. He's he is, hey, Anthony. He is the Anthony, tonight. Anthony, don't no, worry Muggle about it, buddy. Alive, probably is. Yeah. yeah. Anthony, don't worry about it, buddy, because, boy, do we have a matchup for you. We have this guy named Khalil Roundtree who's just an absolute murderer. Or How about Ryan you fight Span? him instead? A Ryan Span? Yeah. So <laughs> hashtag consolation prize, Anthony Smith. Maybe he Golly. gets Paul Craig. Paul Craig's still hanging around in their top ten. That's winnable. Then you can do that Span Roundtree and just – Two dudes throwing them. Man, Man light heavyweight was so fun. much fun. We were in such a cool place with light it heavyweight. It still is really all. fun. Six months ago, six months ago, we were in this such a cool place. This is still really fun. This is so fun. <laughs> in a different way. <laughs> we still, uh, people kept asking me because, like, for the last two weeks, I would introduce every show and talk about this and be like, we are. Well, we're expected to have a new light heavyweight champion at the end of UFC 282 and be like, why do you say that? I'm like, because you never know. Maybe there's a draw or like some sort of like no contest or something. And here we are like 10 days later. And it's just like we're going to name this preview show UFC 282 post fight show. Still no champion like that. It's it's still lacking a champion. (laughs) Look, the champion has a name and it's Yuri Prohashka. Yeah. All right. I like Yuri's tweet, by the way. Vadim Namkov might be the number one light heavyweight in the world. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. He might be now. I can't do it, but not rising. Look at those rising. I still go Yuri, but he's got it. I have Yuri, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of rankings, I have to go and do my rankings now because we're going to be doing an update. So uh, thank you very much, everybody. I think we're done here. Uh, We appreciate you sticking around with us all night long here on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. Jed doing the Patty the Batty dance and I just loved this night. It was the best night. It was the most fun I've had in months. I can't remember the last <laughs> pay-per-view I enjoyed as much as this barnyard explosion. This started out as like eight hours explosion. ago. Eight hours ago, we're like, do not buy so a pay-per-view. And now we're like, best night ever. Best this is awesome. night ever. This is awesome. Patty, uh, Patty turned heel accidentally and I was getting really worried, guys, that I might have been wrong and Patty Pimblet might not suck. And he found a way to not only make me feel very confident that the things I've been saying for years were true, but he also made it really easy to hate him. This is a win-win-win for me, baby. I love this fight. Well, that being said, thank you all for watching. For Sean, for Casey, for Jose, for Jed Mishu, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love, love you guys. guys. Jinx. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.